Welcome to Rooted Within with Lily and Dan, a podcast that shines a spotlight on positive change makers, sharing their stories of legacy, inspiration, and impact. Each episode, Lily and Dan will speak to individuals who have made their dreams a reality, exploring their journeys, mindset shifts, and what motivated them. Join us as we explore the lives of those who are making a difference and let their stories inspire you to achieve your own goals. Even now, like we're very, very good friends. Yeah. Close, I would say. I still love her. I can well, say that. She sounds like your best friend. Yeah, I can still say. Um, although it's not as easy to talk to her just because of she's married. And I noticed as these things, which I now see as arbitrary, started to sort of fall off. You became, I became happier. Freer. <laughs> I became happier. Everything became more clear. How I should treat my children, how I should, you know, act in public, the things that I want out of my life. One of my oldest cousins, one of my favorite cousins, like we always see him as like, you know, the sage in the family. He went up to my wife one time and he told her, you know, you're the glue that holds our family together. Because wow. she would call everybody. Yeah. She would get my grandmother to come, my aunts. She would, you know, patch things up between people. So she was always very adept at those things. Going to engage. Right. Rooted Within with Lily and Dan. Welcome. Does the fact that we're both drinking vitamin C say anything about the state we're in? Possibly. At the it's, it's the beginning of the event <laughs> Just so season people know for many what's people. Here. <laughs> like our life is sponsored by Barocca right oh now. Oh my God. Tired, it, tired, but yes. hectic. Uh, hectic. So much for a quiet summer, huh? Summer was brutal, as Very we all brutal. know, but now we're heading into the event season and I things know, are kicking I off know. again. And, uh, I'm back in the studio. I've not been in for a while because you've, you've done a couple solo. Yeah, I did the last one solo. It's just yeah. not the same. Oh, I know. That, that's what everyone says when I'm it's not around. It's just not the same. Indeed. Not so the should same. we get cracking? Let's get cracking. Who do we have in the so studio? So we've got someone who's actually become a very good friend of mine over the last couple of months. We've been able to hang out together. Um, we've got Rocky in the studio. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Thanks yeah, good. Me. You're very, very welcome. I heard you had a bit of a traumatic experience getting oh God, here. Yeah, I got hit by a bus on the way here. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, literally clear, hit by you a weren't, bus. You weren't physically standing and got hit no, by no, a bus. No, no, it was no, car like to car. car. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> what? Because when you said you got hit by a, car, a bus, I'm like, <laughs> how are you hell? standing I, here? I have a flair for drama. So. <laughs> <laughs> I can concur. It's all part of the character. But thank you for coming for making it. Yeah, how's things going? Uh, going well, yeah. yeah, yeah. You just got back from traveling. I did, I did. Yeah, yeah you went to Japan. Right. Amazing. Oh, I love Japan. It's incredible. It's fantastic. Oh. Yeah, I need to go back. Anyway, we, we often digress in this podcast, by the way. We went to like so many different tangents. But I guess just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Who like, is Rocky? Yeah, who is Rocky? Rocky, God. Rocky I, Balboa. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I'm almost 40 and I've spent the last, I don't know. You don't look it. 20. Oh, I think you. Yeah, yeah. So it's about the last 20 years trying to unravel who Rocky is, you know. Yeah. And that is the question, really. It's interesting because having the life that I had, you sort of wrap yourself up in these different identities and these different ideas based on your family, based on your faith and how you were brought up. And then at some point, if you're lucky, if you're fortunate enough, you arrive at a truth, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to start unraveling. Yeah, You have to start taking apart what is and what isn't. Some people never take the time to do that, you know. Right. And it's rough. It's rough. But also some people don't know they need to unravel. This is the thing. How do you know you need to? They're so programmed. Right. So I I can honestly say that the real me began when I left home. And when was that? And where Um, was home actually? Home was um, Texas in the USA, right? Um, And, you know, I had a very big family, big Hispanic Muslim family. Okay. Um, And... You know, we grew up very conservative. We grew up very, you know, hold nurtured. on, Hispanic Muslim. Yes, so that's what we're going to get. Can we just to. stop for a second? Yeah, yeah, can, absolutely. Can, can, that, 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 that's, that's not. That's not 
uh, pardon my ignorance, but that's not regular. Regular, right, right, right. Because um, Hispanic is normally a very Catholic yes, community. Yes, and my family was okay. Uh, my family was Catholic. There was a huge conversion story. You're talking about more than about a hundred people. Aunts, uncles, my grandmother, cousins. It started with my uncle who embraced Islam after he heard some Egyptian men talking in a bar and then approached them about the, you know, propriety of, you know, not talking about God in bars. Yeah. Then they invited him to a talk and he became Muslim. And then after that, he converted my grandmother and then just, what was you know, it? What was it that converted everyone? Um, each one of my family members talks about like a different thing that motivated them. Yeah, my understanding is it took more than a few years mm. for the whole family to convert. All of this began before I was even born. Wow. So it was kind of like a destiny, right? Then my parents apparently were the last ones to convert. Now, what I don't know for sure is whether I was a baby or I was just like a toddler, but I know I was very young when my parents um, converted to Islam. And the story goes that my mother actually had me baptized because she's like, just in case, you know, yeah. <laughs> just in case we don't want to stay here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we ended up, you know... um, I guess sticking to it and uh, yeah, committing oh, to hold the religion. Hold on a minute. Sorry, sorry. Is, is it, wait, I'm going to go a go bit on. personal here. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Islam requires a... Not requires. Not, um, doesn't require the same? Doesn't require. Uh, well, actually, okay, I take that back. Some say I'm yes. I'm sort of thinking about the toddler here right now. Right, right, right. Um, no, no, no. See, I'm, I'm not. Okay. But, yeah. Um, but it was see, we went personal. We, 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 we definitely went personal already. So now everybody but it knows was recommended that I do it. Uh, when I got married, the leader of our of our mosque, the Imam, he's like, you know, he's like all Muslims. He goes, every single prophet from Adam all the way to Muhammad was circumcised. He's like, so all Muslims should be. Yeah. And so you'll notice that anybody that's born into a Muslim family. And then I asked my father. I think when I was 15, I just walked right up to him. I remember he was watching TV. And I said, hey, dad, how come I'm not circumcised? And he said, looked at my mom. He said, why didn't we circumcise it? <laughs> like, that is like they and forgot. my mom was like, it was too expensive. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's considered cosmetic in the U.S. Yeah. My oldest brother is, but he was born in Berlin. In okay. the, uh, my father was, you know, in the military. So when he served there, um, the hospital just did it. Like, yeah. I think without, without even asking. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I was still trying to wrap my head around the fact that a hundred family members all converted kind of like simultaneously over a period of right. time. Right. Well, there's a combination of conversions, but then also being born into. Got you. Yeah. Right. Now, the problem with that is that Islam at its heart, right, says that each person has to be guided sort of like on their own or yeah, through God. It's a choice. You know? Right. And the more I thought about that, I'm like, yeah, I never had like my conversion story mm. or like my, oh, I chose Islam story. But you notice all across the world of Islam that. You know, people who are born to Muslim families, you just sort of inherit the religion, yeah. whether they like to admit it or not. This yeah. is this is the reality. Well, I with, remember because like I come from a Muslim background. Mm. My parents have never been very religious. But growing up, I remember it was really confusing for me because I went to a Christian school. So right. I was at school and I was brilliant. I, I knew all the verses I could recite. So the Psalm, Psalms 23 mm. or whichever one that was. And we used to have to sing, you know, all these Christian songs and stuff. and one time, and then I remember I'd go home and I'd hear, you know, stories. We'd go to Bahrain, and my my extended family were religious, and I, I and I found it very confusing. And then um, I remember one time I got in trouble because I then felt like I was doing the wrong thing if I was doing anything Christian. Right. Uh, not not that my parents ever said anything, but and and we stood up and in class we were singing some I don't know what, and I was miming it, and my teacher saw that and said something to my mom saying, you know, that was a bit odd. And I ended up having a conversation. My mom sort of approached the subject with me and I'm like, she said to me, you know, what was that about? I go, well, which am I? 
am I Christian or am I Muslim? And my, and my mom, the best gift she ever gave me, and, and I love her for it. She turned around, she goes, well, listen, we're, we're from a Muslim background, you know, our, our heritage or just as a country, you know, predominantly Islam. And she's like, you know, but what I would recommend for you is, you know, you can be whoever you want to be. She goes, but before you make that choice, I would advise you to learn what you can from yeah. every religion yeah, then you can make and the then, choice. and then decide which one. And then um, she goes, but for like her and my dad are just more spiritual. And she goes, you know, for us, it's ultimately, and she said, you know, every religion, if you look at it at the heart of it is to, to treat others the way you'd want to be treated, treat right. good, yeah. you know? And she goes, and that's how we live our lives. Absolutely. But, you know, <laughs> and then, sort of never chose anything. But how was it growing up in Texas? To a, it was to a large to be a Muslim you know, kid. I'm assuming nice Texas is very religious. It's quite Christian, I guess. It is, but you know, I was born into um, like the far west of Texas, right? A place called El Paso. Okay. Um, yeah, so very Hispanic, very yeah. sort of like um, liberal. Um, okay. But I remember having lots of Christian friends. I remember being second in second grade, hearing about Halloween parties and Christmas parties and Valentine's and not being able to, you know, partake in any of it. We had, you know pepperoni pizza parties and couldn't do that either yep. so it was nice growing up because i had a big family so i yeah. did i didn't i wasn't really you know lacking any sort of interaction with but it wasn't confusing people. what was confusing to me was my own feelings mm. right because i recognized <laughs> by age five I, I even remember my very first crush in kindergarten okay i knew i was gay without knowing that that was the word okay. for, for it. it yeah right i knew that i liked boys you know I remember third grade. We all like boys. <laughs> Speak for yourself, Alain. What are you talking about? Haram. I remember in third grade is when everybody from my class started, you know, kissing. We would go out to recess. Third grade. Third grade. They Jesus. All, they, there was this game. It's they like would young play. in Texas. Yeah. There was, a, you know, we have one of the highest like pregnancy rates, by the way. Like, okay. <laughs> but so I remember there was this part of the jungle gym. It was like a big red net, right? That would just hold like, you could hold probably 30 kids in there. And my whole class would just go and they would line up on the outside. And I just found out about this game. So I'm standing on the outside watching and they would call a girl. It was kind of like spin the bottle without the bottle. Yeah, and wow. then they would just pick a girl and pick a boy. Third and they would, grade. Yeah, they would walk to the middle of the net and they would kiss. And everybody would go. Ooh. So I remember I did it, right? Because... Somebody comes and somebody else comes and they kiss and I go, ooh. And one of this like jackass boy from my class, I'll never forget his face. He turns to me and he says, shut up, Rocky. We all know you're sexy for boys. And I was oh. like, that was the first time great. Wow. that I realized, holy crap, people know. Like, yeah. What you're know, feeling inside. Right, 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 Hold right. on, third grade. How mm. old are you? Uh, eight, eight. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's young. Mm. Yeah. Also, I had some, you know, pretty traumatic stuff happen. Within my family. So, you know, my father is a very strict, you know, Hispanic military Muslim. You wow. Know? Um, so a lot how, of how, many, how many more stricts can you put in a yeah, row? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but look, before I go any further on my father, because there will be some stories about him. He is a lovely man who yeah. like loves me and the, the whole gay thing is hard for him. Mm. But he has declared, I love you no matter what. He's like, it's just, please. Oh, it's we just love hard, you, dad. You know? yeah. yeah. So... He's as supportive as I, Which is fair. way more than I expected you know, him to be, right? You know, that's, that's all you can expect, really. Right. No, but that's amazing. You. That's yeah. actually amazing, especially from the framework that he's grown up right. from. Right, 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 right. Where you're wow. literally going to counter all your lifestyle, everything, your choices, counter yeah. to everything he believes in. Yeah, and you know, yeah. he he grew up in a in a 
neighborhood in a place where if a boy even, you know, held his arm wrong, he got jumped Punched. by the Well, this one's sick is like, you know, like, you hear the, the stories and stuff like, you know, Texas is not the most liberal of places in the world. And a lot of, yeah, it's absolutely not. Oh. Right, right, right. But, but, you know, some, like the major cities in Texas tend to be very liberal. All right, yeah. so you get this, more. you get a, another one of the boys scream out saying, we know you like boys. Then what happened? Well, he just kind of, he didn't really say it to everyone. He just turned and like, to me, you right. know, over his shoulder. And I don't know, I just, I guess at that moment, I kind of realized like, oh, I guess other people kind of see something. And yeah. and from that day on, I was very careful. I was always, I'm a, I was like a super sweet kid. Everybody always framed me as nice and polite. But I think a lot of that came from, I became a yes person. I wanted mm. to please people for sure, you know. Yeah. Um, and I never wanted to make waves. One of my favorite uncles, he turned to me one day and he says, you know what I love about you? He said, I love that you don't mess with nobody. He said, you... He goes, you see people, he goes, you don't poke fun at people. And if they don't poke fun at you, he's like, and I like that about you. You, you treat people the way you want to be treated. And yeah. I took that to heart. I was like, wow, I guess that is me. And even now I feel that way. You know, like I, I'm the type of person I can be very nice. And then the second I feel offended by someone, I will go to the extreme because in my mind, I'm like, I would have never, I would have never done or said what you just did or said you know mm. and i take the it very it. very personally yeah yeah i'm working on that okay <laughs> yeah. so work in progress right so then what happened after that, that i guess like third grade experience? so third grade uh third grade fifth grade i remember sixth grade being kind of all that you know uh, I guess era in my life was a bit of a blur. But you still trying to I, figure yourself out, I guess, at this time. Um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of convincing, right? Like I, I, I would ha- harbor these like secret feelings and whatever. But then I remember every sixth grade was when everybody started declaring who they liked, right? Like, yeah. oh, you know, Eric likes so and so, and you know, Janice likes so and so, and then everybody was like, who do you like? And you just you had to like someone. So I remember. But just, were you trying to assimilate by then? Yeah, absolutely. Trying to assimilate, you know, trying to like, well, I like so and so, and then I remember thinking, oh God, like I could get in trouble because my father was very. If I ever see you even near a girl, he's like, you're gonna. Little did he know, you know. Wow. But, you're like, well, I didn't get near yeah. a girl, yeah. Dad. <laughs> but there was a boy. I, I did what it's you funny. asked. It's funny because growing up, all the way up through even university, yeah. girls, I just always got along better with them. Yeah. Always, I broke a few hearts along the way. And I just, I loved talking to girls. I loved it because I just felt like they got me. I just yeah. felt like they understood But me. did you date? The closest I got to dating was seventh grade when they said, oh, this girl likes you and I liked her. And then, okay. And then we went to the back of the band room and they said, she wants to make out with you. And I was like, oh my God, I had never made out before. Yeah. You know, and this is a big thing. This is like your rite of passage. Like proper yeah. French kissing. Yeah, I don't know. In the, it, back, <laughs> back in my country, we called it green. You were green. Yeah. Up until, yeah, remember this? Like, yeah. oh, he's still green. She's yeah. still green. So they, you know, I met her at the back of the band room. And I remember everybody, there was like a ledge and everybody was watching oh, from God. the top. And she's like making, she like grabbed my face and started making out with me. And the whole time my eyes were open and I was just like looking around. Like, oh, this isn't terrible. But, you know, I didn't. He's not, really, not really doing it for you. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So go through high school and then have a few, like, you know, boy crushes. But obviously not something I can talk about. Yeah. Not something I can act on. Not something I can, you know. Um, and it was rough. That's when I really started to feel my emotions sort of start to spin out of control. I had a friend who was a very, very good friend, but who I was also madly in love with. Mm. And We've all had that. And, you know, yeah, he's he's inviting girls around me and I'm trying not to behave jealous, but I can't but help yeah. it, you know. And and it got to a point where we stopped talking for like months because I said or did something and, you know, I couldn't. You just, you can't express what you want to express. Yeah. So something else There's comes so out. There's so much damage you can do mm. with that, you know. Did he ever know? 
as I come out, right, to certain people and yeah. certain circles, like I find the people are like, yeah, we, we knew. knew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they I'm do. Actually, when I, when I got married, that friend, he told me, oh man, we're so proud of you. He's like, we were worried for a second. And then I just kind of like, I didn't really, threw, yeah. yeah, take that comment for what it really meant. And I, thinking back on it, I go, yeah. So they, they oh, had an idea. You got married. And then I, I was going to say, like, I'm going to pick married. up on this one. Cause you just fast forwarded quite quickly because you were talking about, you know, high school. Right, right, right. The right. first kind of like, <laughs> right, a passage of making out with your first ever girl, dating a few people. Oh, and now I got married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what happened? So university was crazy. Probably a year and a half or two years after I started university, I told my parents I wanted to get married. Now, let me just frame this by saying Whoa. I was an incredibly devout Muslim. Mm-hmm. I was the type of Muslim that. I would teach at Sunday schools when I was 18. I was always talking very publicly about things. Uh, I was selected many times to, you know, publicly speak about things at my mosque. And you be- truly I, believed in it. I so believed it, that it, it, I truly it, believed. Okay. You know, this is the thing. Yeah. So keep in mind, I have a very tight circle of family where every gathering, every outing is surrounded by Muslims. And it's like, hey, we're at, you know, Texas Roadhouse, but it's time to pray. So, mm-hmm. you know, we go and we pray out in public and all of those things. Then, you know, I even had family members who would ask me for like advice and, you know, stuff about religion. And one of the the huge issues in Islam, even today, okay, is that the young men are encouraged, almost pushed to get married very young. Mm -hmm. So I took this to heart and I thought I saw all of my friends in university having girlfriends and these are Muslim friends. Okay. Mm. And I was like, oh, how could they? Like, it's so haram. And I was just... I was feeling lonely is what it was. But at the time, I was telling myself that it was because I didn't want to fall into the same trap. So I walked up to my mother. I was 20 years old. And I said, I'm ready to get married. Most parents would be like, what? But in a Muslim family, it's like, great. Cool. Let's see what we can find. Let's do it. Let's go shopping. Right. So at the time, I was the president of the Muslim Student Association at the university. And um, we had had an event and um, this older woman who was at the university, she had a friend with her at the mosque that day. We were selling shirts or something. Mm. And she walked by with her friend. And I see this girl, this woman, right? I was like, oh, she's pretty. And that's all I thought. She was pretty. She looked, she had a nice smile. And then um, actually, I was mentoring a kid at the time. And the kid I was mentoring was the son of the lady, right? The, the older lady. And he says, hey, Rocky, are you, are you married? Are you single? And I said, yeah. He goes, you should hook up with my mom's friend. And I smacked him because he was like a 14-year-old kid. I'm like, hey, be quiet. Yeah. Wear a mask. Don't do that. The next day, I was getting, because we had a shuttle that would take us from the parking, you know, to the university. Mm-hmm. So I get onto the shuttle and I have my headphones on and I'm just standing up. I'm sitting down actually. And I see a woman get on and I say, oh, I need to give her my seat. So I stand up and I kind of, you know, and she briefly look at her face and she smiles at me and she mouthed something. And I was like, I didn't hear what she said. Had headphones on. She sits down and I'm standing and then I look at her and she has like a scarf wrapped around her shoulders. And I said, that's the girl from yesterday. Uh, okay. And I'm like. Funny how the universe works. Funny how the universe yeah. works. I'm like, I'm talking about getting married. The kid makes a joke. And that same girl, I go, I come on this bus every single morning to get this. This is the first class. time you've ever the seen her. the first time I've seen her. Yeah. So I took off my headphones. I said, hey, excuse me. And she said, hi, yes. And I said, um. <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, uh, I saw you. She goes, yeah, yeah, we met yesterday. I said, oh, okay. And then I was like, how did you like, oh, and just kind of like small yeah. talk for like three minutes because the shuttle gets there quickly. She gets off and she leaves. So I called the lady because I had her number, the older lady. I said, hey, um, so your friend, I said, uh, you know, I'm the Muslim Student Association president and I need her information. And she says, oh, I'm well. And I said, well, actually, 
let me be honest with you. I said, I'm asking on a more personal level. And she says, oh, and any Muslim knows they immediately know what, exactly what, what you're means. asking for. So she says, oh my God, her name is this. She's this. Oh, she's working on her master's. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. So what does she do? She turns, she calls her and she says, oh my God, you just became Muslim like three months ago and already everybody wants to marry you. <laughs> So this lady, you know, now my ex-wife was like, Because she converted into talking? Islam also. Yes, she had converted maybe three months before we okay. met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, she's like, what are you talking about? So, you know, things move on and I, you know, we schedule calls and we're mm. calling and my father is just like so proud. And he would even make jokes. He'd walk by when I'm on the phone with her and he would go, ooh, Casanova, things like that. You know, yeah. and it was, it was a good feeling because I had the approval of my community. I had the approval of yeah. my we friends. Were, I had the approval seen. of my… Right. I was seen, you know. All the while, you know, convincing myself that like, yeah, like, and she, amazing lady, which we'll get to later. Um, mm. But absolutely fabulous woman. Um, incredibly smart. And she was everything. Honestly, looking back now, I wouldn't change a thing about my yeah. past because she was everything that I needed at that time. Yeah. And I still say to this day that 80% of the man I am today is because of her. Yeah, mm. that's incredible. You know, um, she, she raised me in many ways and mm. taught me how to properly be a man. And not, wow. not the type of man that like, oh, you know, you got to be tough. Yeah, and not that, the alpha. That, that wasn't her. Yeah. She, she taught me other things. But it had many to be true. Things. Right. And um, so, you know, we get married. I'm 21 years old. And um, I know for a fact. In fact, I think I mentioned to a teacher when I was like 17 or 18. I want babies. I want kids. And she was like, what's wrong with you? But I always But it's like you kids. do know how at that at that point, obviously, you know how babies are made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and, and the fact that I'm in a heterosexual marriage, I yes. thought I'm cured. Like, yeah. I really saw it that way. Wow. I really saw it as like, I'm never going to have to worry about this anymore. Like, I have my protection. Islam says I have my shield. Yeah. If I keep praying, if I keep, you know, you know, spending time with my wife, all of these things will just go away. But were you still having feelings for men or crushes? Yeah, of men? course, of course. Yeah. But at the you time, I guess them. I didn't see a whole lot of men in, other than, you know, passing yeah. people in classes. The, the men that I hung out with, my close friends were all going away to like medical school and different yeah. universities. So were you in love? With my wife. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I believed I was, but I wasn't. Um, but at the time. But you loved at the her. time, at the time yeah, yeah, yeah. I really liked her. Um, and then I just grew to love her, you know. And even now, like, we're very, very good friends. Yeah. Close, I would say. I still love her. I can well, say that. she sounds like your best friend. Yeah, I can still say. Um, although, it's not as easy to talk to her just because of she's married. Yeah. yeah. And she's married to a very different kind of… Okay. Know, yeah, so that's a bit harder. Um, but other than that, like, you know, we're, we're, we talk all the time. Sometimes we make jokes and things like that. So it's nice. But you talked about kids. Right. Talked about kids. You wanted kids. Talked to her. She's like, no, what's wrong with you? She's like, I'm 25. She was four years older than me okay. when we got married. She's like, I'm 25. You're 21. Are you crazy? Like, we need to travel. We need to do this. We need to. I was like, yeah, but I want kids, you know? So I remember she was like on birth control. And then we tried different contraceptives and stuff like that. And then a couple of times, I knew she had forgotten. I'm like, and I, I to this day, I don't know for sure if she sort of did that on purpose. Like, just to pretend because she's the type of person like she'll pretend that something isn't real or happening so that she can sort of claim that it's not her fault later kind of thing. Yeah. Not in a bad way, right? But yeah, I, like, oh, I forgot my contraceptive today. And it's like, okay, you know. So she ended up getting pregnant less than a year after we got married. Oh, wow. And I remember she cried. She cried. She was like, yeah, yeah, we're leaving. And I'm just like smiling you're like, ear Yay! to ear. Like I could not. I'm like, it's okay. Like you're gonna, And like she's crying and I'm like laughing because I'm so incredibly happy. 
so we had our first child. Um, and yeah, things were going great. But then when my first child turned about three years old, we hit our seven-year itch. No, seven? No, no, I'm sorry. Like three-year itch or four-year itch, whatever they call it. Um, and we went through some hard times. She went through a bit of an identity crisis, I would call it, because, you know, being Muslim and then you have a gay husband, which she didn't know at the time, right? Like, I wasn't telling her that she was beautiful enough. I wasn't, you know, giving her enough attention. And I was just like, oh, like, it got to the point where I was like, just like, yeah, like, you know, I had to consciously put those things in my head. Tell her she's beautiful. Tell her you love her. Tell her this. Tell her that. And yeah. it, it, it became very obvious, you know. She wasn't coming naturally. Right. It was not coming naturally. And I just couldn't see the issue. I'm like, I married you, right? Like, you know, that, that's that, that man answer. Like, well, I married you. Like, you know. Aye. And then… This woman had so many things going in her life and so many things that she wanted to be in her personality that she compromised for me. Yeah. I saw her change over the years and it wasn't until I divorced her that I went, wow, she really did sacrifice a lot, a lot for me, you know. But yeah, you know, we're, we, we buy our first house, we buy our second house, we have our second and third kids and things are going smoothly. We, at this point, we are like… We're like the idol couple in my family, like the power couple. Like when my brothers and sisters and cousins would get married, they would come to us for advice. They would talk to us, even my older cousins and my my parents, everybody would come. At some point, our house became like sort of a center where people would come for like Eid celebrations and Thanksgivings and family dinners and prayers and all that stuff, you know. So I'm kind of going through the whole thing and it's like, it becomes very mundane, very mm. just everyday. And it's not just, it's not the marriage. It's, it's the everything. It's the family life. It's the me having, I remember breaking down one day. Like I went to the house and I just had this huge, heavy depression that I just, so I just cried and I cried. And she's like, what's wrong with you? Like she's like, oh my God. And she's trying to comfort me. And I'm just crying and crying. And I told her, I hate myself. And I didn't know why. why. I was just saying, why did you hate yourself I couldn't. I couldn't pinpoint because like, you being a source. Here. I couldn't pinpoint a fee. I, I just couldn't. I, I, I was like, oh, and I, I think at the time, I thought maybe I just hate going to my job every single day and doing the same things and not feeling like a teacher that, you know, is supposed to be like a really good teacher. And I don't know. I At the time, I don't remember what excuses I made for myself. But looking back now, I'm like, that's exactly yeah, what of course. Mm. So she had traveled to the UAE when our oldest daughter was about four, three or four. And she came back saying, oh my God, like you should see this place. It's amazing. They, they had just finished the Burj Khalifa. Dubai still wasn't what it is today, but she mm. was like, There's all, it's amazing for families, like Muslim families. And I'm thinking, wow, you know. And time passed and we just never did anything with that. Then around the 2016 elections, it's not just the fact that it was like a particular candidate. It was people who didn't live or from the U.S., really don't understand like the types of rifts that mm. that whole election caused. Like people that I thought were friends and that I like friendships were ended over, wow. you know, and the election. those rifts still exist. Yes, because I don't know if it was just the rhetoric that happened and the talk that happened that certain people with certain types of thinking felt empowered and they were no longer scared to express racist ideologies, sexist ideologies, you know, homophobic ideologies, yeah. all of it. And it just felt like a place I thought, you know what? I'm tired with work. Like, it's not what it used to be. I don't feel myself progressing. And then this is happening. Trump had just won. And I looked at her and she looked at me and I said, you know what? It's time to go. I said, if we don't do this now, we're never going to do it. Mm. Now, there is a belief in Islam that when you make an intention to do something and you do the thing for that intention, then it gives you good deeds, right? Yeah. And that's what the thing becomes. Yeah. It takes the, the form and the shape and the color of the thing that you want most, that you intend it for. 
The reason I say that is because when we made the intention to move here, we did our prayers, we did our duas, right, and everything. And we said, we're moving to make a better place for our family, to become more religious, okay? To, you know, really embrace an Islamic lifestyle in a place where Arabic is the language and there's a mosque on every street corner and you can hear the Adhan in the streets. So when we landed, that's exactly what I wanted, mm. or at least what I thought I wanted. Mm. Yeah. And so I see the mosques and I see the, the, you know, the fancy perfumes and the oud and I see all the kandoras and I see the Arabic and I just, I run. I'm like waking up at 5 a.m. to go pray at the mosque because in my hometown, we had one mosque. Yeah. I lived 40 minutes away from it. Wow. You know, so I would go pray at the mosque. I would, then I start to realize like, wow, like my, like it's not the same. You know, Friday prayers with my family is very different. I go to the mosque and my whole family is there. And they say, oh, let's go to Burger King after. Let's go to this person's house after. Let's go to the mall. And and I didn't realize what a huge part of it my family was. The lifestyle. The Eid, the Ramadan, everything changed. Everything changed. But then too, at the same time, I started realizing that, you know, I didn't have my family's filter. I didn't have the lens that, you know, I was always looking through when they were around. And their reinforcement. Because, you know, we have family police. Of course. People who ensure that you do and say and act exactly how you're supposed to. And if you don't, they will let you know, mm. you know. Yeah. So that wasn't around anymore. And while I'm thinking I'm safe, right? I'm thinking I'm just going through this. Um, I make a friend. Okay. This friend was, I met him at a barbershop. And work was nice because I would finish every day by like 2 p.m. Mm. And I would go to the barbershop. And he wanted to learn English and I wanted to learn Arabic. So we hung out a lot. In fact… I was probably at that barbershop four or five times a week after work. You probably just have the best haircut in town. Hanging out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hanging yeah. out with him, talking. And then I started to sort of feel sympathy for him and, you know, like the situation he was in with work and pay and all those things. I started doing small things. for started, started very small, you know, like bringing him some food or taking him on a trip to the mall to buy something real quick. Mm. Then I took him on a trip to Dubai, took him to the airport. Then I started buying him bigger gifts and I started spending more time with him. And I fell in love is what I believed, right? Yeah. And my wife, she would notice, of course, because she's a very perceptive woman. I didn't notice. I didn't think I was doing anything wrong. I just, the other thing about the UAE that people don't really realize is that the lifestyle of men is different than what you would see heterosexual men do where I'm from. When you're a family man, you're a family man all the time back home. You know, you have dinners with your family, you go out with your family, you go come home to your family. The only time you don't see your family is when you're at work. Mm. That's it. My father used to say, I don't have friends. I have family. Mm. I have coworkers and I have family. That's it. And I don't spend time with my coworkers. And I didn't really believe that. And even my wife, we didn't believe that. But, you know, he used to get upset with us. Like, she would go out. She'd say, hey, I'm, you know, girls night out. I can't believe your wife is going out, you know, and what are you doing and things like that. And he at one point believed that's why we got divorced because we were spending too much time apart and all of that. So, I was spending a lot of time with him and my wife started to say, you know, something's off with you. Like when you're here, you're not here. Mm. I can I can tell. Like I don't know what's up with you. Then she knew I was spending time with him, right? Now, let me make it very clear that nothing romantic ever happened between the two of us. But I was just spending lots of time with him. In fact, at some point, I would even know when his days off and his breaks were. And he would be at his apartment with the other, you know, people that worked with him. And he would say, yeah, come in. And he would say, you can lie down in that bed and sleep. And there were like four of us just taking a nap and I would, you know, they would get up and go to work and I would follow them. Uh, just spending like, looking back, I'm like, wow, just ridiculous amounts of time. And like, yeah. I didn't. Slightly unnatural. Very unnatural. But mm. I, for me, it's like the most natural thing. I'm like, wow. Now, the other thing is that straight Hispanic men, 
when I grew up, were very like, bro, 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 you know, clap on the back. And these men, especially, you know, Middle Eastern men, even heterosexual Middle Eastern men are very affectionate. Mm. You know, they'll, they'll touch you on the back of your neck. They'll hug you. They'll even kiss you on the cheeks. Yeah. You've seen, of course, the, the nose kiss between Emirati men. So it was like, filling a real gap for Yeah, you. it's filling a huge gap. And yeah. I'm thinking like, wow, this is amazing. And I'm thinking I'm cool. Like religion, everything is on everything. Yeah, everything. But when I'm with my family, I'm restless. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm even annoyed. Like, and I feel so shitty about that. Looking back on it now, but I was just, you know, couldn't wait to get back. So I would have plans. I'd say, hey, I'm going to go out with so-and-so for cinema, for dinner, for a movie, whatever. And she'd be like, okay, fine. And she would, she would, of course, like, yeah, you know. Then that's when she finally says, you know, something's going on with you. Like, I don't know what this is. Then I think at one point she knew it was him. And she's like, uh, I don't, he made a comment or like he, I used to bring him around with the kids and stuff. And he would come to the house and cook for us or we would cook together. And I, I don't know what he said or did in, one time in front of her, but it prompted her to say, is he gay? And she said it in a way that was like was meant to be hurtful. an insult and hurtful. And I turned to her and I said, what's wrong with you? Like, why would you say that? Like, that's awful. And she's like, I'm just saying, you know, he's like this and like that. And I, I knew it was like a, a jab at me because she was, you know, trying to like, you know, balance it out. But in the end, one day we had gone out, he and I, with all his friends, we did a barbecue or something. And I came back home very late. And she says, look, I remember she was lying in bed. I thought she was asleep. I lied down in bed next to her. And she says, look, I don't know. I don't know what's up with you. I don't know what's wrong. She says, but I'm going home. I'm taking the kids and I'm going wow. home. And I remember my heart just like, because that was the one thing that I was horrified of, losing my kids with this secret and everything that I had, you know. And I, at this point, I had come out to like two of my best friends, one at work and another one, you know, who was like our neighbor, as a matter of fact. And I remember them saying something to me, like, when you tell your wife. And I'm like, oh, 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 oh okay. <laughs> I told you guys, I came out. And I remember the feeling was just like, oh, you know. The relief. So I thought I was never going to have to come out to anybody ever again. Yeah. And he's like, just, it's okay. Like, you know, cool. But we're just letting you know, you know. Because it's inevitable. You're not living your truth. It's inevitable is what they said. Yeah. So that night, she tells me, I'm leaving. You stay here. You get out whatever you need to get out of your system. But we're going to leave. So I remember thinking, shit, this is it. It's now or never. So I remember I told her, okay, listen, I have to tell you something. So I took a deep breath and I remember like I buried my face in the pillow and I went, and then I came up and I said, I'm gay. And like the moment it came out of my mouth, I just, the tears started coming down and I started sobbing and she sat there quietly and I was crying and crying. And she says, you know, I think I always knew. And right there, I was like, oh, my God. Like, you know, like, I'm a horrible actor. <laughs> and the whole experience was just surreal. Like, I got to talk to her about things. We stayed up talking for probably… What was, what was her emotion when she said that? It was… A, honestly, I was a bit surprised. I was like, really? Like, <laughs> I didn't say that. But <laughs> I'm thinking, you know? Like, I thought I was great at covering it up. But anyway, she sort of sat there and listened. And then she said a few things. I said a few things. Was she angry? She wasn't angry. In fact, I have to say she probably, she sounded relieved. relieved. I told her, I just need you to understand. It's not that I don't love you. Like, I, I love you incredibly. I go, it's just this one thing, you know, like, I don't know how to make that make sense. And so she said a few things and I told her, do you want to be alone right now? And she said, yeah, I think I need to be alone right now. So she I left the, the process. Room. Yeah, I left the yeah. room. I went into the living room. I remember I turned on Game of Thrones and I heard her crying 
all night. And I mean all night, nonstop from like, that was probably close to 1 a.m. to like 6 a.m. Just, I just heard the sobs guy and I, my heart was just like, oh. Yeah, how are you feeling at that time? I'm thinking, okay, like I'm glad I told her. And then you have the doubt. You're like, shit, should was I have the right said thing? anything? Was it the right thing to do? Like what's going to come of this? Because you can't take it back now. Right, now you I can't said it. It's, it's out. Can't take it back. <clears throat> so, you know, we have some family things planned that day and she's, you know, it's the day after. Like, you know, the day after like a really big fight you have with someone, that's what it felt like. Can I talk to her? Can I, can I touch her shoulder? Like, is she okay? And she was responding to me. And then a couple of times it would look like she was, you know, like she wanted to punch me. And then Gosh, the next few… She must have been going through right, a world, the, a world of, of emotions. And emotion right. and- At some point she says to me, look, she goes, we can't go home. And I said, really? And she said, yeah. She goes, we're going to stay here. She goes, you can't live your life the way you want when you're with your family. And I thought, oh, that was the first time I thought, holy crap, like she's right. Maybe a lot of this happened because of all the policing and everything. Can that, I just you know, say, she's an incredible woman. She is an incredible woman. And she gets even more incredible as this story goes wow. on. Wow. But there was one point where, you know, we, we decided we were going to try and make it work. We were going to try a few things. And she sent me this video. And I told her, I, I told her, you know, the acceptance of it. Like, she goes, so you feel accepted? And she was like in, asking really good questions. So what about this? What about that? What about my brother and my nephews? And like, you're, they make me feel like, okay, so maybe it's just an acceptance. She was exploring all of these different possibilities. One of the possibilities she explored was, she says, hey, I found this psychologist. And he specializes in, you know, getting people to overcome. And I go, hold on. I go, when we talked about this, I go, you told me there was nothing wrong with me. Well, she's trying to fix you. I go, now you're talking about conversion? She goes, So I could tell she felt bad about it. But I'm looking back. I'm like, I I understand. Imagine the desperation. At this point. We had been married for 14 years. A long time. Right. A very and long three time. kids. That's three kids, two houses, you know, well, two her car world, payments. Her, like her, just, her world her just fell changed. apart overnight. Right, right. I mean, we had been through everything together. And as we're talking about all these things, we're talking about different ways to make the marriage work. Like, we could try this, we could try this, we could try that. We tried some things for probably… How do you years. make a gay man and a heterosexual woman marriage right. work? Right. Then I think that was eventually… The conclusion and the question that yeah. we arrived at. So one day, I remember she, I had come home late. And she said, I can't do this. Okay. She goes, I tried. She goes, just, let's just get a divorce. Okay. So I said, oh. and I remember, even today, I still feel guilty about the amount of relief, relief you I felt. felt because you were, you were going to be free. Right. And also that she made the decision. Yeah. Right. That I, that's why I, I kind of felt like it was yeah. off of me. Yeah. Like, oh, but you know, in yeah. reality, of course, it takes two to tango, right? Yeah. So… We talked for a very long time. We talked about, don't worry, like see the kids whenever you want, this and that. Let's just go get the papers done. Da, da, da. So in my mind, I'm like, I'm beaming. I'm thinking, wow, like we're going to, she and I are going to stay close. We're going to still talk every day. We're going to see the kids. We're going to, it's going to be great. Nothing's going to change. I'm right. just going to be in a different house. That's exactly for. how I felt or what I, what I believed. Oh, how little you knew. Oh, how little I knew. So I leave the house. I remember I brought my two kids with me. We told my two youngest children that, Daddy's going to move to an apartment so he can be closer to work. We took my daughter out and we explained to her, we thought we explained to her that we were getting a divorce. My daughter tells me this day, she goes, you realize I had no clue what you guys were talking about, right? She goes… How old was she at that age? uh, She was 12 at the time. She cried. We took her to a Krispy Kreme and I'm just like, wow. Looking back, like, I'm like, there's just, we did all everything wrong. You know, like, you take them, you, instead of giving them a safe place where they can express You took them out in public where they can't react. Try to make her happy. And I remember 
at that point, just adopting this policy that I was just always going to be honest with, especially with my children, mm. no matter how hard, no matter how, you know, big or whatever, because honesty is a much better place to come from, you know. Yeah. And at this point, I'm dealing with the layers that we talked about and trying to figure out which parts of me are real, which parts of me are not, which parts of me do I actually believe. And I said, oh, cool. I can be gay and I can, you know, I met lots of men, lots of gay Muslim men, mm. you know. We're like, yeah, yeah. You know, my I, I met a few that even said, my mother knows, my father knows. They told me, just as long as you keep your Islam, you're fine. Yeah. You know, keep your so Islam. Is, is, like, is, is, that, is, that how, is that how it's um, justified? Right. Because with Islam, it's very black and white yes. when it comes to that, right? Uh, for, there are people arguing that it's not. But at okay, the time, yeah. But at so the time, it was… The idea is that you make a sin, you just pray for it and everything's cool. Okay, you know? so that's, that's how it was. Like uh, the idea. So… You know, I'm going through that entire process. I'm going through all those experiences and I'm meeting different guys of different backgrounds and I'm hearing all of these stories and I'm sort of like collecting these narratives and still believing that I'm, you know, in Islam and everything. And then I just slowly sort of like, I don't, I, I, I uh, the best way that I can explain it is I really love the, the, the imagery of like an unfolding and to see what's there, yeah. you know, at the very end, like yeah. you unfold and like then, the unwrapping of a gift. like, wow. I think I've always been sort of like an atheist. <laughs> and and let me, you know, people, even myself, have this like terrible view of atheism. Like it's this conscious decision to not believe in something. When in reality, what it is, is look, I need more proof. Especially for something like God, that you're going to base all of these different actions and emotions and telling people what to do in wars and all of these things on something that... Well, you, you kill know, people we, in the nobody name Nobody has had actual evidence. Yeah. There is nobody alive today that has tangible evidence, in my opinion, right, of the existence of God. And of it's any not just, God. Right. And it's not just the, the uh, like saying that there is no God. It's also saying, if there is a God, what kind of God is he? Mm. Because Islam claims he is an all-merciful, all-knowing God. Okay. So an all-merciful, all-knowing God will still allow certain societies to continue suffering. And children in this area of the world and people in that place of the mm. world. And then they find ways to justify, oh, it's because, you know, a test. What? Okay. I, I, I know some people who should be tested who ain't. You know, like, mm. what's going on? So, I don't know. I just what, sort of like… What got you to that point where you started to question everything? Um, well, I did have a friend that was atheist. And he told me, okay, look, he's like, when you come and you become an atheist, come and talk to me. And I'm going, oh, that's never going to happen. And it did. But yeah. I think mostly it was because I felt as I started… The first thing that happened was I stopped praying. I would pray a couple times throughout the day. Because, you know, before, of course, I'm devout. I'm praying five times a day. Yeah. What, what stops you? I, it wasn't a conscious decision. It was just, oh, yeah, like, I didn't have time. Like, it would slip my mind. And then I thought, It was well, no longer kind of like front yeah. and center. And I noticed as these things, which I now see as arbitrary, started to sort of fall off. You became, I became happier? Freer. <laughs> I became happier. Everything became more clear. How I should treat my children. How I should, you know, act in public. The things that I want out of my life. Are you kids the way Muslim? That, Yes, they are at the moment. Mm. And they know that I'm sort of not because does I that, talk very openly to them. Does that bother you? No, no, not at all. Okay. I, I have told them. I said, look, I go, I know you guys have noticed that I don't pray. I know you guys have noticed that I don't do this. I don't do that. I said, but I want you to understand. At your age, I knew a lot about Islam. I was the 12-year-old kid that would sit in a circle with all the old men listening to them talk about hadith and Quran. I can recite you. Various verses, I can tell you the meanings of certain things. I know Islam. I'm very comfortable saying I know Islam inside and out. Mm. All of the major, most important parts. With that knowledge, I told my children, now I can decide to accept or reject. 
you are not allowed to reject something just because I do. Yeah. You need to have a reason. You know, you understand how it works and why it works. And you say, that is not for me. That's different. I go, but I don't expect you to just be Muslim. Now, of course, their mother wants them. We're in a Muslim. Ever since we got the divorce, she kind of took a really hard, you know, right. And I think, I, I justifiably so. I think it was more, you know, the pendulum swinging the other way. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to make sure this time yeah. it's... <laughs> right. And, you know, I look back on a lot of things and I really do regret certain things that I did. Like, for example, because of the religion, my wife told me, you know, my father brought a mariachi band to all of my sisters and brothers' wedding. Can he bring a mariachi? They're like, no, we're Muslim. We don't have music. It's haram. And I mean, I was like adamant. Like, Hell no, we're not going to have a mariachi band. It's so non-Islamic. And looking back, I'm like, why the hell did I just let her have a goddamn mariachi band? Like, it would have made her family happy. It would have made her happy. But she it was one of the things she compromised, you know, yeah. because of me. And looking back, I kind of wish I had arrived at all of these conclusions before that. So I wouldn't have put her through so much. That's the only thing. So you, you said that you thought it was all going to be roses. Yeah. You know. So I come to find, you know, I, she kind of would stop talking to me on the phone. And I'm like, okay. And then like, I don't think that's a good idea. And I told her, why don't we go out? And then at, by this point, she's seeing a guy already. Okay, how soon after? Um, I want to say probably less than a month. Now, wow, this woman, now, this this you. woman is like, but what? No, but no. What I mean is, she became Muslim <laughs> within three months of becoming Muslim. A man drops in her lap that wants to marry her. She is in a process of divorce. A month later, uh, you know, right. So now, the, the, the universe is absolutely. is very loving to her. It is. And let me <laughs> do tell you know you what though, I mean. She used to say to me, I remember her mom, we were sitting with her mom one day and they were gossiping about some lady. And, you know, I didn't really listen to the story that they were saying. All as I, rem I remember my ex-wife saying, wow, she turned to me. She said, oh my God. I said, what happened? She goes, look, just please, if you ever divorce me, she says, just do it before I turn 40. <laughs> we got divorced before her 40th birthday, like the year wow. that she was going to turn 40. And for her, I know she always had this fear of like this like ticking clock of like, nobody's going to want me. I'm going to be alone forever. I'm going to be, you know. And um, that's why she jumped straight into this relationship, you know, with a guy who was, I think, about 10 years younger than her. Okay. So. I'm going to ask a really yeah. possibly uh, raw question. Yeah, Do on. I have permission? Yes, absolutely. You like to ask the raw ones. <laughs> it just. You go deep. I love a Go challenge. on, go. No, but do, do you feel that you sort of stole her life in yes, a way? Yes, I do feel that way. Wow, that that's way. heavy. I do feel that way. Because I thought I was giving her this <sighs> like amazing life and one day you just whoop, pull the rug out, you know? And I remember her talking about, you know, like she was so focused on me. Yeah. She was so focused on how I was feeling and what I was going through. And at one point she even told me, wow, she was like, I just, I don't remember if she said, I hate your dad or I blame your dad, but she like, because, you know, I went through quite a bit as a, as a kid, you know, being called names, some very not nice names as a kid. And I took a lot of that to heart. I, I was a very... From your father? Yeah, or? from my father, okay. from even maybe my cousins, from people at school. And that's what led to me, you know, hiding. And essentially, I found out I used Islam as a cloak. Yeah. It was a cloak. Like, he's Muslim. Of course, he's not gay. Like, you yeah. know, that was kind of like the, the understanding. And she resents your father for that. Slightly. Yeah, I think she really does or did at least. Yeah. And, um, you know, so... We got divorced and um, she told me, look, she's like, you talk to your family. You tell them whatever you need to tell them. She's like, this is you. This is your deal. But she says, but what we're not going to do is tell your family that we're getting divorced. We're going to get divorced. We're going to complete the process. And then you're going to tell your family. And she was just always, even back home, 
my family always, she's always so perceptive and so like socially adept. And she was always moving pieces and getting people together. And she, one of my oldest cousins, one of my favorite cousins, who's very, you know, wise and whatever. Like we always see him as like, you know, the sage in the family. He went up to my wife one time and he told her, you know, you're the glue that holds our family together. Because she would call everybody. Yeah, She would get my grandmother to come, my aunts. She would, you know, patch things up between people. So she was always very adept at those things. Right. So she she saw my family and realized, you know, some of the flaws that they have. And she says, just don't tell them yet. Wait till this point to tell them. So I tell my mom, hey, by the way, I'm divorced. What? And they just, everybody's like, what? Now, keep in mind, we were the idol couple. We were yeah. the power couple. We were the, so it, it literally how could this came happen? out of nowhere, you know? And people felt offended. And I was offended that they were offended. I'm like, I'm not doing this to you. Like, this isn't, but it felt it's like, my marriage. Yeah. But it did feel like that for them. I had a cousin tell me, like, oh, well, a marriage is work. You have to, I'm like, hold on. I've been married for 14 years. You've been married for six. Like, why are you? Yeah. Why, how can why, you tell what is me? This? You know? And so, but why? But why? They demanded to know why. They absolutely demanded to know why. They felt I owed it to them. So I told them I cheated on her. I looked back on that and I went, wow. What a world. I mean, isn't it crazy that you would they were be, more, they, I would rather and they would rather me, or at least I perceived that they would rather me be a cheater gay. than gay. gay. You know, and I thought that's just tragic. So I told them I cheated and my family went, oh, well, okay, you know. So they couldn't argue against her. I didn't want them to say anything bad about her. Yeah. If anything was going to come, it was going to come back at me. Little did I know, I found out later, they were sort of talking amongst themselves going, do you think, he, no, he would never, he would never. You know, they knew me at least that well. Yeah. And as I, you know, go through this whole like divorcing and my family sort of asking how I'm doing and what's going on. Like I'm, you know, meeting people, I'm doing things, I'm, you know, I'm working out a lot. I'm, you know, living the life I want. And I get to a point where I just go, oh my God, what have I done? Like, and I remember lying in my studio alone, crying my eyes out in bed, thinking of my kids, thinking, what have I done? Like I've ruined their life. I've ruined her life. I've ruined my life. For what? But, well, For what? It's, it's, you know, also, like, it's also the fear, isn't it? Right. Like it was I, safe right. back then. I told myself, I told, I said, oh, I, all I'm going to do is I'm just going to live like a gay person. Like I'll, I'll meet guys once in a while. I'll pray and that's it. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do that, like what, what does my life have? I have nothing. I don't have my kids. I don't. So I remember just crying my eyes out for, you know, probably a few weeks. Then, you know, you, I'm working out. I'm seeing my kids. I'm, you know, working things out. I'm figuring things out. Finally living on my own. Because she, I didn't realize even at that point how much she even took care of me. Yeah. Because I was the man. You know, I had the salary. Here's the money. And I would just hand her the money and I would send She was running the house. She was running the house. She was paying the bills. She was doing the budget. She was going, look, we can't afford this. We can't afford that. She was like, I tell her, oh, I really want to go travel there. She'd be like, are you crazy? And then she would be planning it. Yeah. She would plan for me. The things that I wanted. Even she would tell me we couldn't have them. She would find a way to get them. And I love her for that. You know, she spoiled the crap out of me. She really did. I cooked a lot at home. I, I did contribute. Of course, I was a cook and a clean. I took, you know, paternity leave to ca- take care of the children. So I wasn't a deadbeat dad or anything. Yeah. But um, I remember her telling me, you know, you were born to be a dad. And I, like, just the little things of encouragement that she would give me and the way that she would, you know, like, oh. She really is incredible. She, she mm. really is. And so, you know, I'm crying my eyes out and I somehow come out of this depression. And I say, you know what? I'm going to travel. I've always wanted to go to Japan. She never wanted to go there. So I'm going to go to Japan. I plan a trip and I end up going to Thailand and Japan. And I plan on, you know, doing some things. I'm like, I'm going to travel alone. And I, it was very liberating. The fact that I was on my own, the fact that I 
you know, was able to have the type of vacation that I wanted, where I go to a place and I just start walking. It's the first time you would have been alone your entire life. Entire life. I'm living on my own. I'm paying my own bills. I'm cleaning my own apartment. I'm cooking for myself. I'm shopping for myself. I would go up on bike rides at night just for no reason and come back. And I loved it. I'm like, this is the kinds of things that I think every person needs to do before they even think about moving in or marrying someone so that you understand who you are. So you understand, you know, your boundaries. Yeah, exactly. All of that. And all of that I reflect on my children now because, you know, I allow my children to do certain things. They talk about boyfriends, girlfriends. And I remember my daughter saying, Daddy, you know, this boy asked if, you know, I want to be his girlfriend. And I told her, what do you want? She goes, I kind of like him. And I said, well, I go, look, I love the idea of you having a boyfriend because I want you to learn people. I want you to learn how the world is. And I want you to learn what you want from life, from, from a relationship, what your boundaries are, you know, so that you can set those and you don't just say yes to people for no reason. I told her, I want you to be able to navigate yourself and navigate this world. I go, and if you really feel, because I, I know my daughter, she's very, you know, studious. She's very into school and... So I thought that that would be something good for him so far. It has been. And she she's open to me about everything. She talks to me about many, many things. So so what is life looking like today? Life today is amazing. Um, I, you can I, tell uh, by the smile. Yeah. I just literally engulfed have your face. Amazing job. I still, I talk to my ex. Uh, you know, sometimes we call on the phone. She messages me, jokes back and forth. Her family is amazing. I remember when I told them about the divorce, they were like, okay, are you okay? That was the only question they had. Are you okay? They're like, as long as, you know, she's okay with you and you're okay with her, like, we have no problems. You're part of our family. I even went to visit them the last time I was in the U.S. I've got my three wonderful kids. They know about, I came out to them about being gay uh, against the wishes of my ex-wife, but I, it was doing lots of damage. Yeah, you can't. You got to live live an authentic life. They didn't understand why I was apart. My son started crying. He said, when are you and mommy getting back together? And the whole question of gay and all of that stuff. But it would have also just taken you back to where. Right. Why would everything, I be everything exactly. that you were, were you were freeing yourself Why from all the lies. You right? can't. So I sat them down, and I, I remember thinking because people, people back home think we don't want gays around us. Like they feel like it's infectious. And I'm yeah. going, look, if it were that easy, I would be straight. Mm. Honestly, yeah. if you experience this, like um, there was even a situation in my family. I have a few gay family members, you know, and um, they were brave enough to bring around their significant other and introduce them as a friend. Once the family caught on, they were like, oh my God, you shouldn't force our children to be exposed to that. And it was like, hold on. If it were that easy, there wouldn't be gay people. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? If it were that easy. Like, because we're constantly surrounded by heterosexuals and yeah. you know, stuff that happens on TV. It's just that, you know, people nowadays in any religion, in any community, in any culture are feeling more, you know, bold in being themselves. Mm. So I told my children, they, they were, this is what my ex was worried about. I don't want them to, you know, know about that world. They were sitting at my apartment one day watching Nickelodeon. And my son made a call me. So, oh, yeah, that's the guy that likes boys. And I went, right there. He knows. Yeah. So the following time when he was crying and he said, when are you mommy getting back together? I sat them down and said, look. I said, I'm going to tell you something. I said, your mommy prefers that I don't tell you. I said, but I feel like I need to tell you because I want to be honest How with old you they? about everything. My son was about seven. Youngest daughter was about... Five, my oldest was 12 or 13. It's quite a different age range. Yes, very big range. And I said, Daddy likes boys. I said, Daddy has always liked boys. Ever since I was very young. I said, but I'm Muslim. I said, you know how that is. I said, I grew up Muslim. I wanted to be a good Muslim always. I wanted to pray. I wanted to do all these things. I said, and I met your mommy. I said, and she's a wonderful woman. I said, so I married her. 
I said, but I couldn't help it that I still like boys. I said, and I couldn't do that to your mommy and I couldn't do that to you. And at that moment, my son went, okay. And they all just jumped on me and they hugged me. <gasps> oh my God, the tears. Did you I couldn't bawl your I eyes was out. bawling my eyes out. And they just understood. And a five-year-old yeah. understood. I then, mean, I was just saying, like, I've had, I mean, can we take a moment? A five year old yes. understood. Right. But I've had the, the privilege to be around your kids, and they're the most intelligent, oh, endearing, really, incredible that means children. So much to me. yeah. Five year yeah, old but, understood, <laughs> but an entire like population of adults right. just don't yeah. get yes, it. Yes, yes. Because Do you it, know what I mean? Right, right. That's wow, yeah, thing. actually. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, I'm that's saying. Yeah. That's why I'm, I, I keep repeating it. Five year old understood. Right. Wow, yeah. yeah. So I was just, I, I felt so blessed at that moment. I'm getting emotional now just even thinking. Oh, yeah. get emotional away. We but love it. it's just, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful moment. But I knew, I knew because I know kids and I know psychology of kids and things like that, right? So I knew that at some point this was going to like have an effect, right? So about a week later, I remember I was at Yes Mall and my phone rings and it's my ex-wife. So I answer, I say, hello. And she says, yes! And her voice <laughs> Yeah, she's screaming. screaming because she found out. I can't believe you told him. He's crying over here. He's in tears. I said, yes. It's like when you have a bad dream or you watch a, a scary movie as a kid. And you're like, oh, this isn't scary. It takes a moment. Takes a while to that play night, out. it doesn't scare you. But maybe three or four. It took him a while to digest. And I remember my son called me after that. Daddy, I'm so sorry I got you. I said, no, stop. I go, you do not be sorry ever. You are never going to say sorry for talking to your mommy. You're never going to say sorry for talking to me. I go, you feel what you feel. And that's it. Yeah. I said, do not apologize. So valid. I go, if, if you feel that you need to speak to mommy about things, I want you to do that. I want you to tell her anything because she's a safe place and I'm a safe place. Mm-hmm. And he said, okay. He felt so bad. I told him, no, no, no. You, you if, if you want to talk about it to her, you talk about it to her or you talk about it to me. But after that, it was fine. And my kids, I'm in a relationship. I've been I was, was going to say, before before we close this, <laughs> yeah. into this uh, I, I want to know. Love. Love. Oh, that's one of did the you finally find true? I did. Love. I did. I found true love in the most craziest of ways. Hmm. Like probably the most. I don't know. Maybe the most like um, regular way. Normal like, you way. See, like sort of very Hollywood sort of yeah. movie. It felt like on this travel that I did, I went to Japan. And the one where you're going to go and try and find yourself. Right. I'm going to just. And I'm not looking for you. going to do yeah, things. Yeah, I've convinced myself I'm going to do things. I'm not looking for love. I'm just. I'm just going to have a great time. So I remember the very first time I was flying from, so I did Thailand for a bit. My last night in Thailand, I thought, let me check out this whole grinder thing. You Because know? <laughs> in the UAE, it is. What is yes. so, so I open Grindr and I meet somebody my last night in Thailand. I'm like, oh, Grindr is kind of cool. So then I fly to Japan. My second night in Japan, I open it in Osaka. And this tall, hunky, gorgeous Vietnamese guy. I'm like, oh, so I start chatting with him. He's like, come over. So I'm like, okay. So I come over to his place and we went out. To dinner. And then I remember I'm talking like I'm talking now. Like, and back then I was telling everybody my story because I don't know, people would just kind of look at me. So I remember we're lying in his bed and I'm telling him my story. I'm like, yeah, and this and that and this and this and this. And he's just staring at me. And I can't read him, right? Because I'm not very familiar with, you know, yep. Far East Asian culture and everything. So I, I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, I'm talking to him. She says, no, I was, I like this. He's like, you're, you're very sweet. I said, oh, well, thank you. And he goes, stay with me. I had never asked or been asked. To sleep over at anyone's place. And I thought, you know what? Screw it. Yeah. yeah. I said, yeah. When I tell you, I had the best sleep of my life wow. in a twin size bed. <laughs> I woke up. I couldn't believe it. I remember 
when my ex-wife and I would cuddle in bed, like I remember just feeling heavy and feeling like, okay, like she would put her leg on me and I'm like, I would tolerate it. And then I'd go, okay, it's hot. And I, I couldn't explain it. I said, oh my God. I said, that was the best I've ever slept in my life. You finally felt at peace. I felt at peace. That's because your soul finally came back. Your soul would have like escaped your life and been sitting out in the ether going, I ain't living this life. So he tells me, hey, you know, tomorrow I'm going to go to the beach. You want to come? I said, look, I'm so sorry. I go, I'm going to Kyoto. Then I've got Tokyo after that. I was like, he goes, okay, have fun. So I leave. So I'm in Kyoto and he messages me and he's like, so how's Kyoto? I was having a horrible time in Kyoto. I was lost. It was hot. There were too many people. I go, my 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 hostel stinks. He goes, come back. Osaka's only a 40-minute ride away. And I told him, you know what? Yeah, I'm very impulsive, by the way. So I said, you know what? Yes, go straight back to my hostel, pack up my stuff, tell him I'm checking out. I leave and go back to his place. He takes me out to dinner. He says, tomorrow I'm gonna take you hiking. We go hiking, we have an amazing time. I tell him about my childhood, he tells me about his. He even coached me through like some gay stuff, right? Like like feeling scared. Where yeah. where he says, hey, he goes, you know, this is Japan. He goes, and people may be conservative. He goes, but nobody cares here. Yeah. He goes, you can be yourself. And I'm like, okay. Because I remember feeling like, this is the first time I'm being gay out well, in well, public. Well, you were a new, you were a new, right. you were a baby gay. Right. Exactly, green. I was a baby I did stuff behind closed doors, yeah. but this is my first time yeah. being with a person who I feel romantic with yeah. in public. So I'm walking and he says, um, I remember we're sitting down in front of a waterfall and he says, kiss me. And I look at him and I go, what? Like, can we? No. I said, no, he goes, nobody cares. He goes, if you want to kiss me, he's like, you should kiss me. So I go, okay. So I kiss him on the cheek, right? And he goes, do it again. So then he snaps a picture. And this picture I have in a frame even now on my on my nightstand. And he says, this is Japan. Like, you can be yourself. I had this feeling that somebody was going to find me and tell my aunt or tell my father. And yeah. I just, I, I, it was such a strange feeling. I'm in Japan. There's no way my family's here. But what, a, what an incredible, what a simple statement. But for you would have been such a profound right. statement. You can be right. who you, you are. You can be yourself. Right. So we're walking. And he says, you know, if you really want to hold my hand. He's like, you should hold my hand. And I'm like... Okay, so this is like way out of the comfort zone now. Right, way out of my comfort zone now. So I'm grabbing his hand, and we're there's this like older Japanese couple, right? That uh, we walk past them, and like he feels me like I guess he feels me like like, nervous, and he goes, "You're doing great." Like he coached me through that, right? So we passed this old Japanese couple, and I'm like, "Okay." At that moment, a huge hornet about this big lands on my head, (laughs) and I go, "Ah, ah!" And he's like. Oh my god, hold still. I'm like, okay, okay. Japanese couple comes up and they're they're saying something in Japanese. And he says, they say not to run. I'm like, I'm not running. <laughs> I'm panicking. And I have this like small towel around my neck, right? At this moment now, I can feel it sort of oh. like biting a bit. Like it's it's it's, it's, it's 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 doing something, and I don't like it. I go, it's biting me, it's biting me. He grabs the towel from my head and he like swings it and it knocks it off. And then we're looking around, the Japanese couple comes up and they're giggling. They're like, oh, oh, thank you for this car. Like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And they're, they're giggling and they're making jokes and we're laughing. Thank you so much. And they walk off. And he goes, wow. He's like, oh, so we're like, oh, that's crazy. He's like, but you see, he says, you they were worried care. about them, right? Yeah, no one cares. Yeah. And he goes, they didn't care. Yeah. They saw us. Wow. So we're, we walk out, we go, we have lunch. Then now I'm thinking, oh my God, tomorrow I've got to be in Tokyo because I've got to fly out from Tokyo. And it's far from Osaka. So. We're going back to his apartment after lunch. And I start getting this really heavy feeling. You don't want to go. I'm thinking like, I've just had like a Hollywood romance like for the past three days. So I start crying. (laughs) As you can tell from all these stories, I'm a big crier. So I'm like, 
walking next to him and we're going up towards his apartment. He turns and he sees me and he goes, oh my God, uh, are you okay? Like, did something happen? I said, no, no, it's fine. I just, I just feel, you know, and I'm trying to explain how I feel. Like, I know I don't love him because I just met him, but you have a connection. Some, I have a connection. He goes, oh, baby, he says it, it, it doesn't have to be this way. And I'm like, well, how else does it have to be? I'm like, I've got to fly leaving. back to the UAE, you know? And he's like, ah, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm packing my things in my bag and I'm crying. And he's like, it's going to be okay. So I leave and I just feel awful. I get to Tokyo. I think I, I arrive maybe 11 p.m., get to my hostel. I spend the first probably nine hours just lying in bed. I'm like, you know what? Come on, I got to get out and at least see some of the city because I leave tomorrow. So he's asking me, how are you? I was like, I'm awful. Like, I'm sad. And he's like, I know me too. And so... From there, I flew back to Dubai. Then Dubai flew back home. My family wasn't expecting me, but I flew back home. And he tells me, he goes, you know, he's like, we can still talk. So from that day, we started talking every day via FaceTime, Botim, whatever. To this day, we every single day, we, we've probably not spoken maybe, I don't know, three or four days in our entire relationship. But we so talk every here? single day. No, he's still he's in He's still there. Yeah. I've been long distance for four years. Wow. So we've grown and nurtured a relationship in long distance. We travel every chance we get together. You just recently came back. Yeah, I just recently yeah. came back from there with him. And yeah. the kids also went. Uh, yeah, the kids went this time to like see Japan for the first time because he met them probably right after COVID. Uh, he came to Dubai and he met my friends and my family, my children, and everybody loves him and he loves them. And yeah, so it's it's been really nice. Yeah. Nice. We could be here forever. Mm, we could be Lily's got such a big smile on her face. I think you just made her really happy. No. But it's a rocket. That was such an incredible what story. Yeah, thank story. you so much. Yeah. There's so much more to tell. But yeah. So much more. We'll <laughs> like, save that for what, a different what a, episode. What a wonderful story to like just remind people if you don't live your truth, yes. it's yeah, gonna it's, it's gonna it really chase is you. That simple. Yeah. It really is that simple. Be true to yourself and know who you are. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Because because your inside will 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 come out. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's inevitable. It forces like, itself out eventually. Do you know what I mean? Like you that that depression, that. that not knowing why you're unhappy or you you know that's your in that's you trying to speak right. to right. And I I believe in forces of you know yeah. physics and nature yeah. and the universe opposites attract and the yeah. universe yeah. and it's just the energy you give out is the energy you attract and I yeah. think that's just. Agree. The law of physics. Yeah. Agree, oh, good for agree. you for finding the courage to be you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Cool. Thank you guys for having me. This oh, Anytime. It's amazing. It's a good one. Thank you so much. <laughs> right. We will see you in another episode, I'm sure. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Rooted Within. If you like this episode, please make sure you drop a follow so you never miss an episode in the future. Rooted Within with Lillian Dan. <laughs> <laughs>